So I'm going to be the moderator from here now. Uh, I have to have notes. I'm, unlike uh, Rajiv ji, I don't have the uh, know-how to just... No, I was cheating. I was also looking at this. Okay, number. were you? Okay. <laughs> well, well I, I, I've, had, I've, had, I've had to do uh, much more of a work uh, to, have, uh, to be here and talk to you. So just a little bit about myself. I grew up in India. And, uh, uh, I came to Toronto uh, for my undergrad. I spent the last uh, eight years there. Now Where in India? On New Delhi. Oh, good. Oh, cool. Yeah, so exactly the kind of people you're talking about. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I came to Toronto when I was uh, right out of high school, did my undergrad there, worked at a company, and now I'm at Columbia Journalism School. Now, interestingly enough, you were talking about Hindu phobia. Uh, I was reading uh, last year around uh, February, I think there was uh, in uh, Madison, Alabama, there was an elderly Indian gentleman named uh, Suresh, Bhai, uh, uh, Suresh Bhai Patel, I think. Yep. And uh, he had an altercation with a cop, and uh, he was thrown onto the ground, uh, which led to uh, partial paralysis. The, uh, the cop uh, ended up, uh, there was a case, court case, and in January he was acquitted. Now at that time the Indian community talked about maybe this was an attack not just on a random civilian, but maybe it was something directed at because he was brown, or whatever you want to call it. Around the same time we had a lot of uh, attacks in the temples in uh, western uh, Washington state. And those were characterized as, uh, as uh, vandalism rather than uh, mm. hate crime. Mm. Now, when you have such situations, why do you think that there hasn't been a decent enough argument made for Hindu phobia? Okay, that's a very good question. I think the problem lies with us. The problem lies, and I also, while I study the Westerners uh, and what the issues are and try to classify them and, you know, into various categories, I'm, I haven't published my categorization of Hindus, because uh, I guess when I do that, they'll stop uh, reading my books any further. So I'm, I'm keeping that last, maybe, or post posthumously or something. I mean, I have a lot, of hard, a lot of tough things to say about our leaders, about our mentality, about the slavish mentality. Uh, I think it's, and you know, you can go back and say, did it happen during the British? Did it happen during the Mughals? When did we lose all this uh, Kshatriyata leadership? Uh, but at least as of now, I can tell you, we would rather be non-confrontational, take the easy way out, cop out, not rattle too much, not rock the boat. People who came here are looking for material success, and they, they are so lucky to come here and make some lot of money and get a big house and big, all, all the great stuff. They don't want to risk that. Uh, they, then it's about children. They want to settle their children. Then it's about uh, self-esteem and glory, so they'd rather give $20 million grant somewhere and get their name on a building, because now they're entering the upscale, you know, they're going to get a seat at the white man's table and they'll be considered big shot, you know. So there is that sort of a mentality of success. That's the uh, role model of success. The political groups that should be representing Hinduism, based in India that are well-known groups, have lacked adequate strategic thinking and scholarship. They are more into uh, maybe a bombastic speech, maybe uh, rabble-rousing, maybe uh, vote-gathering and things like that, but they haven't invested in a think tank. They haven't really invested in quality research. The kind of thing that I, I have been doing, I, I was expecting that lots of people will join in. I quit my job, profession, career, financially, everything left to do this full-time. And I thought that this is something a lot of people would want to do. But they all say, good Rajiv, you are doing a very good job and you know, one day I will also join you, that sort of thing. But that one day never happens. So we do not have enough tapasya, enough sacrifice from our community. 
then the, the other segment would be the clergy, the religious people, maybe the Swamis, the Acharyas, you would think that they would be doing it. Now, m many of them uh, privately, the ones in India privately support me a lot and publicly more and more of them are beginning to support me. Uh, in this country, they're very careful also. For some, I don't know why, what they're scared of because the laws protecting religion are very strong. And you know, the irony is that in this country, it's fine to be an Irish American, an Italian American, a black American, a Hispanic American, and we can be Indian American, but you know, like the Jews have Jewish American identity is very clear. Islamic American identity is very clear. The Christian uh, identity is very clear. There's no reason why we have to hide under the South Asian, more kind of non-threatening identity, okay? When you go to these South Asian groups, you know, you, sometimes you go to these South Asian groups and 90% or sometimes even 100% are, are Hindus. I mean, we, we started a Hindu-Jewish coalition in New Jersey where the Jewish people approached some Hindus and said, would you like to join? And we said, fine. Now, the interesting thing is, for them, the Jewish term was very clear. For us, we, we said, okay, Hindu term is fine. So my co-founder and I, we said, okay, yes, it should be Hindu-Jewish. But as we started taking it out to our community, more and more of them said, you know, does it have to be Hindu? Why can't we call it South Asian? <laughs> and it's sort of like almost like a fear, a kind of an inferiority complex. So I think there's in some inferiority complex, there's some lack of academic or of good scholarship and study of the whole thing. We don't have enough of our people participating in these events and having these encounters. Uh, when they want to get involved, it's like arm's length, I'll write you a check of $5 million, put my name somewhere, I don't want to know too much. You know, I, have, I, have, I find a lot of that, which is more to get prestige, maybe get their kid into Harvard or whatever, you know, uh, get into a board and then it's good for business. So the, the reasons for engagement and, and uh, getting in, in, into, the, uh, into the active uh, life are not quite, uh, you know, pure uh, or necessary and they're not quite, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm really doing this for a cause kind of thing. And the people who are in charge of these Hindu organizations are often looking for personal positions up. They'll be moved into a regional office or they'll become some national head somewhere. A few of them are really sticking their neck out. But I'm seeing, in the last 10 years, I'm seeing a huge change. I think uh, people are more and more willing to stand up and say, we're going to fight Hindu phobia. People are, uh, the, some of the Indian press begin to say that, the media, newspapers and TV in this country are beginning to say that. Certainly the civic society, the parents, fighting school prejudices are beginning to say that. So I, I, I see a change coming and with more money comes more confidence. And people say, well, you know, if I'm good enough to be the top doctor here or the top this or that, then how are they to uh, insult my tradition? So that is coming. Let me, let me, let me push, you back, push back a little bit on that. So we, we talked about the Indian community, right? What about the rest of the community not, not looking, this at, uh, looking at this, these issues as Hindu phobia? So you talked about how most people within the Hindu community are docile, dormant in a way. Why would anybody want to be against such kind of people, right? I mean, anti-Christianity is because there were, uh, Christianity had a huge expansion movement. Um, Islam, to a certain degree, in the last 500 years, went through an expansion phase. Anti-Semitism is actually rooted in historical consequences. But India, last time India, or Hinduism, was expand expanding was over a millennium ago. So does, is there something, is this something that we're trying to come up with or does it actually exist? Are people looking at people and say, well, this is a Hindu 
maybe I don't like that person. Is that is that you think? Well, if you look at the experience of temples, some of the temples have had to fight a lot to get permission. Obviously, it is because they're Hindu temple. I mean, there was this uh, Chinmay mission in East Windsor, near where I live. Uh, it, they bought a church building long ago. So it's zoned as a house of worship. The moment it is now owned by Hindus, the zoning is changed because of traffic problems and noise problems. The local ordinance is changed so that they can't build a, make a temple there. So that's obviously prejudice on religion. They had to fight and get it overturned. So people are using more clout to overcome this, but that resistance is there. So you know the, the deep, the deep uh, culture of this country, the Christian uh, culture of this country is Christian. They, I mean, that's very true. There is a xenophobia. There's a different, there's a concern about those who are different. And religion is one of the factors for being different. One of the reasons the Chinese who came as migrants converted in large numbers, large scale to Christianity is to reduce that difference. So Chinese became Christians in this country because they thought that now we'll be accepted. It didn't quite work out. So there's multiple markers of difference. There's race, there's language, you know, there's religion. So it's not only Hindu phobia, but Hindu phobia is a, a significant component of it. You see how Hinduism is represented in the school text, that tells you a lot. And I think there's concerns about, you know, uh, these uh, strange gods and goddesses, very concerned. And then these gurus are sort of, you know, suspicious people because they claim all these special powers they have. And then uh, in the 60s, in the 60s, there was an age of innocence. In the 60s and 70s, you saw gurus being like, like big, huge, big shots in this country. They should have converted them to Hindu. But at that time, when there were tens of millions of white Americans going into Hinduism, these, you know, the New Age movement was very big. It's the, it's the gurus who sort of didn't go all out and convert them. Buddhists did. So people would become a Buddhist. There's a formal process. You become a Buddhist. So Buddhists are, there are a lot of white Buddhists who are officially Buddhists. They're not just saying, I practice this, it's all the same, but don't call me anything. Secretly, I'll tell you, you know. They're not, in, they're not worried about that. But the Hindus, it's the gurus who did not have that confidence to say, okay, I'm going to make you into Hindu. Except people like Iskand Prabhupada was very clear that, okay, you're not anything, but you are this, you're a Vaishnav. So this, uh, uh, this uh, strat strategic thinking wasn't there. We missed a huge window of opportunity. And then this new age, partly these things got digested into spiritual but not religious, Christian yoga, consciousness studies. You know, it got digested into Western paradigms because the people who had learned these things from Hinduism felt that they could have a bigger market to uh, sell it to the Westerners that this is our own tradition and this came from Jesus Christ. There's more market for that, you know, if you can do that. So the U-turn and digestion is fed by opportunity, entrepreneurs who, who do that. So part of the problem was that from after the 60s and 70s, a huge amount of what I would call the positive assets got siphoned off, and they're no longer considered part of Hinduism per se. And you have to fight and say, okay, if you're going to teach a course on Hinduism, I want yoga. I want all these five or ten things that the Americans are enjoying, which come from Hinduism. I want them part of the course. You have to fight for it. It's not automatically done. And then meanwhile, this whole human rights thing in India, this whole Dalit activism, this whole, hum this whole fragmentation, which I write in my book, Breaking India, the, the Breaking India forces, very, very strong, becoming stronger, vote banks fragmenting the Indian politics. Yeah, uh, They also started getting support from the academic world, feeding them th this kind of scholarship. So the, the, uh, the rise of Hindu phobia 
and the rise of digestion go hand in hand because one sucks out the positive nutrients and the other hits you with the negatives. So it's a double whammy. Well, also uh, going back to uh, India, um, you're one of the not so popular people in the Indian media at least, or whatever I've read. I'm not sure why that is, but India has one of the, uh, one of the largest youth populations in the world right now. I think um, uh, over 300 million uh, Indians are between the age of 10 to 24. Uh, I have a huge problem with what I would call mainstream media. Okay. But quite the opposite in social media. Well, yeah, India only has one media, mainstream media. No, no India has oh, a big social, social media. media. Social media. Yeah. Social media is big. Yeah. And when you, most of my audiences when I go mm -hmm. are young people. And the reason they're young, they're, they're young, these people in colleges and, you know, ashrams, and they're well-educated type young people. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're attracted is because they're not the ones sit sitting and reading newspapers. They are looking at, so they're tweeting, they're on Facebook. And so the type of discussion that goes on in social media is quite different from the mainstream media. Absolutely. And the social media people are, in fact, uh, 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 hitting out at the mainstream media. And that, this is a clash between social media and mainstream media also. And that's a very serious clash in India. So I would ask... Because in, in specifically in India, and I'm going to talk about mainstream media, uh, journalism is seen as a Western concept. It's uh, it started off, uh, and it, it's something that has gone to the rest of the world. Now, does Hinduism within itself present an alternative to Western journalism? Is there I'm, something? No, I'm not aware. I mean, the 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 big era of Hinduism was before these technologies existed, before the technology, because the journalism is based on the technology of printing and electronics and things like that. So naturally, where these, since these technologies came from here, the models on how you do this stuff, the formats also came from here. Mm -hmm. So you have to say that these are mainly Western kind of ideas. But what uh, Hinduism needs is the Hindu version, Hindu equivalent of Al Jazeera. That's what Hinduism needs. And uh, Fox TV. You see, in, in the United States, uh, people will hate Fox and they will hate the Christian right, the liberals will, but the point is they get a seat at the table. You definitely invite one of those guys. You don't sort of say, you don't dismiss them in such a way that they are not entitled to because they're evil people. You don't do that. They have a seat at the table. If there's a president, no matter what party he's from, and there's a press meeting, those guys are there. They will also be asking questions. So Fox despite its extreme right wing, has a kind of a, some, some status uh, of legitimacy for its people and very large audiences. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So you have MSNBC on the left, you have Fox on the other side, you have CNN dancing around. Uh, you have uh, these uh, media alternatives. Al Jazeera is very, becoming very mainstream. There is nothing like that that Hindus, ha Hindus have produced. You have some channels for one guru. But that's not, they're not uh, broad channels. They're just one guru particular channels. Hmm. That's not enough. Why do you think that is? I think it's lack of vision. I mean, it's lack of vision. And this is the sort of thing that the big Hindu political leaders and big Hindu, the people who speak for Hinduism as big, huge, you know, I'm just an entrepreneur. I'm just one man. But the people who got big armies and huge funding, they ought to have by now created an Al Jazeera. There is absolutely no reason not to do that. And get very professional people pay them good salaries, get you know, people with good experience from good colleges, and create that kind of media. There's, there's no reason not to. And I would think that it would actually be a commercial success. Mm -hmm. My feeling is that like Fox makes a lot of money. Al Jazeera is huge. They get a lot of advertising because there's circulation, there's readership, viewership. So I think the same would happen for Hinduism, that if there were 
well produced, not sort of in the face, you know, saffron, dogmatic, not that much, but teaching, but uh, presenting news, presenting everything from documentaries to uh, cricket matches to whatever is going on, and giving the aura of balance. This is the subtlety nuance that Hindus need to develop, rather than too much uh, one-sided in the face. Okay. Now, I know you like question and answer, so I think we're just going to go over to the audience Q&A. Okay. Hi. Thank you so much for your presentation. My name is Sanjana Shukla. I am a student at New York University. Um, what do you study? I study education studies. Oh, good. Yes, largely because I'm very interested in the way that uh, Western academia presents sort of lacks in imagination in the ways that you were speaking about today. Um, so I've written down my question. Um, can you speak a little bit to how Hindu phobia plays out in Indian academia? And do you see the same caste cow curry trope play out in classrooms in India? Well, I think uh, in India, it's a very interesting uh, segmentation. Uh, the humanities in India have very little originality, mostly Western models have been borrowed, social sciences uh, and humanities. They're teaching India through the Western models, much of it. So the same Hindu phobia is there. You're learning all these kind of things in the same way. However, I find the tech people, the uh, IITs and Indian Institute of Science and the medical people and people in business and those sort of people have been spared the brainwashing. The less education, in a sense, is better because they haven't been biased in that way. And their idea of Hinduism is what they learned in home and what they learned from a guru. And so it's the practitioner's view. Hello, Hindu. A practitioner's view. Uh, it's the practitioner's view. So uh, it's not something that they've been taught in the classroom so much. So the Hindu phobia exists in the classroom in India, for sure. And you will see that you go to a history department, it's very difficult to, uh, to talk to students after the first couple of years. They're just completely into that. And they memorized. Uh, you know, and the the uh, main uh, the titans of Indian uh, academia, uh, the Irfan Habib and uh, Ramila Thapar and all that, they're all uh, highly westernized, highly left-wing, anti-Hindu kind of views they have. Now there was a period after independence, period of R.C. Majumdar. Uh, he was the he was a big historian. He wrote multiple volumes of history of India in the early Nehru era. And that was very much to counter the British biases. So it was very favorable to India, its civilization, and all that stuff that he wrote. And that was the staple for uh, over a decade. When Indira Gandhi came, there was a shift in the academics because when she needed coalition partners, she was not getting enough majority, and she needed coalition partners to, be, to make a government, she reached out to the left. She reached out to communist parties to join her, and the communist parties were very honest. They didn't want ministries to make money. Like today, the coalition partners want to have a railway minister or an airline minister because they can make bribes. Uh, you know, if you get if you get your man in the in one of the cabinets, then you can make he can make a lot of money. So the left in those days didn't want that. They were pretty honest as far as money is concerned. What they bargained with Indira Gandhi in exchange for support is intellectual positions. They wanted vice chancellors to be theirs. They wanted, in the academic world, they wanted their left Marxist scholars to be appointed. So that was what led to the rise of this whole Ramila Thapar and a whole lot of other people that followed, which has been there for quite a while. So that's kind of a, a, an oversimplified view of the Indian Academy and its uh, origins of Hindu phobia. And I would say that the Hindu phobia 
was not as much during the British time. Maybe the British were scared. So it was not as serious in the face. And also another reason for the rise of Hindu phobia is that the politics of getting, making a government have favored fragmentation. If you can go to a jati, a particular community uh, of any kind of identity and tell them that you guys are exploited, the other people are exploiting you, I'm your champion, you have a chance of uh, getting elected. So uh, democracy has also created fragmentation and vote banks and that feeds into this problem. Thank you. We'll just come here and... Okay. Yeah, um, uh, my name's Tyler Williams. I'm a professor of uh, Hindi and Urdu. Uh -huh. I also teach a bit of Sanskrit, a bit of Persian. I also teach about bhakti. I teach about Indian religion and history. Uh, Here, this in very interesting. Here in Colombia? No, no, at, at another one of your favorite uh, universities. Okay, which one is that? If I, if I tell you, will you attempt to tarnish my image like you have my colleagues? Uh, well, if you think that what I did to the colleagues is tarnishing their image, then, and they cannot then stand answer criticism, the following then questions. Yeah, I'll get to the question. See, this shows, the question, but this itself shows let me get the, to the inability to, to take criticism. So if you say tarnish the image as an academician, you, are, you have to give evidence. So you should say this is a statement you made which constitutes tarnishing the image, and I'll give you a response. Either I didn't make it, or it was misquoted, or something worse was said about me, or I would say that this is legitimate criticism. So would you like to elaborate on that? Yes, I would. Sure, please tell me. My question is, actually, I'll keep it, I'll keep it brief. Sure. My question is this. Um, I appreciate the fact that these students have called you here today in the spirit of discussion, and I appreciate what you said earlier about the spirit of discussion. Now, I think the students who have come here tonight deserve to know, what is your real approach to creating discussion? Because as you said, you want to talk about areas which are not being discussed. Mm -hmm. However, the way you've done that is by positing two categories which are diametrically opposed, that of the insider in the outsider, which I find actually vitiates the classroom. Because in my classroom, I have Hindu students who teach me a lot. I have some non-Hindu students who teach me a lot. But the, the schema that you've given, that I'm an outsider, they are an insider, the white students are outsiders, the white students are outsiders. Also, also no, no, the no, idea that Dalits wait, wait are outsiders to the Hindu no, community, no, no, I find no, no, extremely that is, difficult. That is your propaganda. See, so, now, now no, what you're doing is you're my demonstrating. Second question, you're demonstrating. No, no, but firstly, you're not asking a question. My second you, question no, is. No, that was not a question. That was, a, that was an allegation, but wait, wait, may I answer so you have no. So you have no. No, answer I, to that. No, but I have an answer. You, you made an allegation and said, you have no answer without giving me a chance, and I want to ask the second I question. I can't wait to hear the Purvapaksha. Okay, so the, the, the statement that I have created whites as outsiders is incorrect. You should read my book. I've defined very I have carefully. read your book. Uh, but then you have misread it, and you should learn reading skills. Because I've, I've, I've said very Just clearly. Just like you read. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just like, yeah. okay. just like okay. you misread Sheldon Pollock's 500-page tome. But let me tell you that. I have very clearly said this is an outsider is defined by the lens he wears and not by the ethnicity. And I have also so said Marxist there are a lot of... So Marxist is not allowed to speak? W wait a second. So, so no, only no, no, a Hindu a is allowed to speak. You asked a question and you know the, the, the protocol and the decency to listen to an answer because you're trying to be an academician with some clout and credibility and therefore you owe it that since you made an allegation, you should give me a chance. May I please? Okay, so I want to clarify my position because I'm entitled to defining what my position is rather than you defining it for me. So I have said very clearly that insiders and outsiders is based on the lens and I've given a table of insider lens and outsider lens and written very carefully many times, it is not about ethnicity. And I have said that many 
white people are in fact insiders, and a lot of Indians are outsiders. And I've called them sepoys, I've called them all sorts of names, and they are the outsiders. So for you to insinuate that I've considered white people to be outsiders because they're white is actually incorrect. So I just want you to be for the record. You, yeah, thank you for pointing that and, out. I actually and, didn't and the get to finish my without No, no, no but, but it shows that you are more into the rumors of what people say because you haven't really read because this is written right in the introduction of my books. Okay, sec second, secondly, and people, how many people have read? Okay, so students have read more than you, the professor, because they have read the book and you are claiming... I just said I read the book, and mm. I've read your articles, and I've read your latest yes, uh, but you read blog it, post about Yeah, Sheldon but what Pollock I'm saying is that you read it wrong, but you read it wrong because you don't understand what I meant by insiders and outsiders. So that's one thing. Second thing you are saying, that this categorization of insiders and outsiders as a matter of principle is the wrong thing to do. In religious yes. studies, we have something called emic and etic. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And we have the, the, the idea of... The idea of insiders and outsiders. That? Did you invent that term? I, yeah. I might be familiar. But, but maybe, I have a maybe, maybe you're not subject. familiar with this. Maybe you're not familiar with this. But maybe you are. But the category of insiders and outsiders is a well-known category in cultural studies. It's it's a category in when they're looking at different identities. And this is not something I have invented. You can look at insiders and outsiders as seen by many different identity groups, many different culture groups in this country. So we can discuss this, but you should be accurate and not falsify. I'm very glad you're asking this right here on camera because it gives me a chance to illustrate the amount of, uh, de amount of uh, denigration, unfair mischaracterization, and I'm so happy that we have a chance to talk. I'm glad too, because the way you mischaracterized Sheldon Pollock's work was really now you quite reprehensible. To, my other question, my no, second now you question switch is... To, now you switch no, to Sheldon my Pollock. second question is, what is your position in front of these students, what is your position on plagiarism, considering you got caught plagiarizing no, I didn't. major I didn't. sections no, no, of work of Andrew wait, Nicholson, wait, 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 wait a second. one of the same okay. scholars wait, you wait have, have given an answer. I have given an answer. You've asked a question. You've asked me three times. I'll give you my answer. I have challenged Nicholson to take me to court, which is what the law requires, and otherwise keep his mouth shut. Or take me to an arbitration, and he has not accepted it. Okay, wait a, wait, a second, wait, a second, wait 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 a second. You should listen to me. An allegation does not comprise a verdict. An allegation is an allegation, and you have to take it to a neutral third party, which he has not done. Second thing you should know, his uh, publisher, which was Columbia University Press, and my publisher, which is HarperCollins, long back had, an, had a, a letter exchange, which I have copies of. Have you seen those letters? Have you seen those letters? Uh, what did they say? It goes off on the no, no, wait, wait, no, no, all no, no, the time. I'm talking about what does Columbia University Press letter say? Do you, have you seen it? Uh, okay. What does the Columbia University Press you letter want say? Me to quote it to you? Or no, no, maybe no, no. you should quote it because maybe it, I'll get it, does it wrong. What does it? Does it use the word plagiarism? Does it use the word plagiarism? Because I have, I have it with me. You didn't quote no, no, him. I, I, I'm saying you, you if did you not read it, cite no, him no, no, as your references. Second, wait a second. If you are truthful that you have seen it, and your whole topic is about plagiarism, does the Columbia University Press letter to HarperCollins use the word plagiarism? You got me there. It doesn't. Okay, sorry. So you don't even know the main punchline. The elephant in the room is supposed to be plagiarism. And if the publisher is writing a letter, you ought to know whether they use the word plagiarism or not. They called it copy editing mistakes, and we request that you fix them. That's what they called it. Second, let, let me just let me just tell you. Let me let me let me tell you. And, wait, and wait, that, wait a second. Wait a second. This and is, that is this what's is, called a euphemism. No, no, have you heard oh, of wait, that? Wait, wait, wait a second. It is not because I have seen publishers write a straight letter. I have seen publishers write a letter. Okay, then let me also tell you. Do you, if you read my book, do you know how many times I have quoted Nicholson and mentioned him by name? Can you tell me? 
Yeah, not how 100% many? of them. No, no, That's no. How many times? How many times? Jeez, I don't go through your books with a pen okay, and but, note but down the number are, of you citations. Are making a, if you are making such an allegation against somebody, then you ought to know. Well, it turns out... Say it turns, yes let or me no. Give you the Did answer. you plagiarize let, or not? Let me give you the answer. Let me give you the answer. In that one chapter alone, where I have, that's the only chapter, chapter 8, which where I've mentioned, uh, where I've used Nicholson's work, there are 33 times that it, it uses the word Nicholson said, Nicholson said, Nicholson said, between the words and the, uh, the end notes where I've given the page numbers. And three times, I have not put the quotes. I've paraphrased it. Okay, wait a second, wait a second. No honest, wait, wait a second, wait a second. No honest jury, no honest judge would say that a person who wants to plagiarize will mention the source 33 times in the same chapter if his intention is to plagiarize. Where is it? So, so, so wait, wait a second, wait a second. No, no, no. Can you, can you no, no. explain to the people what your connection is to the BJP? Why you wait, wait, wait. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. See, so this is, so, so his last question is, what is your relationship with BJP? So you can see, this is Hindu phobia. He's looking all over the place. Okay. All right, so. He, he, wait, wait a second, let me have the last word. He's ashamed to tell where he teaches because I will do to him what I've done to his colleagues. Okay. And, 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 and basically, and basically, and, and, and basically, no, no, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, you're shouting, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, you're trying to be a hero because maybe they'll give you a tenure job which you don't have, okay? Okay, maybe, 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 maybe this is, maybe, maybe, maybe I, I'm, I'm saying, no, wait a second, wait a second. No, no, wait a second, what, what is happening is maybe, Maybe a B grade, maybe a B grade person who is an adjunct teacher, you're an adjunct professor, not even a fully credited, and you're trying to be a hero in the eyes of your fellow people. Yeah, yeah, but, but what I'm telling you, okay. Let me, let me, let me. Professor, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. No, but I think this is a very important thing. This is, this is, this is exactly, this, okay, this is exactly the sort of YouTube clip which gets me the highest hits. I'm telling you that. And I want to thank you that because you really helped me make my points. You helped me make my points. And look at the dancing around because before I can answer a question, you quickly want to jump around and you hit hurt Sheldon Pollock. But then you quickly went around, Do you, are you a member of BJP? You're not able to, you, you don't have the mental stability to stick to a point, hear both sides before you jump off. So if you want to discuss Sheldon Pollock, let's have a discussion and I, we've invited Sheldon Pollock, he ought to have been here, why isn't he here, why is he afraid to face me, face to face, so Sheldon Pollock and I can stand. Okay, right, so, yeah, Sorry. go ahead. Please. Can everyone keep their questions short? It's going to sure. be one question. There's not going to be anything, any explained, uh, explainers before that. Yes, please. Thank you. And I'm going to keep the mic. No, no, no. You're going to talk on the mic. Sure. Uh, uh, hi, hello. Yeah, sir. Just come this side. Right. It's going to be a truly moderator's mic. Now. Yeah. Uh, hello, sir. My name is Aditya. And Mike. Louder. Hello. My... No, no, you just have to be louder. This okay. Is okay. So my name is Aditya. And I. Uh, my question to you is, uh, a lot of criticism of Hinduism is based on basically caste discrimination yes. yes and hinduism is a philosophy a way of life which is uh, not dogmatic it can it is not something which is static 
it can evolve. So do you think, uh, and a lot of uh, is used by the Christian evangelicals and by the Muslims to convert Dalits. Do you imagine a future where there's no caste or do you feel that caste has some positive effect or like, uh, how do you see the future of caste? So you see, at one time we had Varna and there was fluidity, it was not meant to be in a hierarchy because you know in some ways Brahmins had less rights than others do. So there are more restrictions on what Brahmins cannot do. So I'm not a Brahmin but if you look at uh, the various codifications, uh, it's not that there is a hierarchy of rights because for maybe rituals somebody had more rights but for accumulating money somebody else had more rights. For political power somebody else had more rights. So it was a rights distribution mechanism which, had, which played its role. A corrupted version of that is the caste system which becomes hierarchy and rigid and then it becomes do uh, more dogmatic because the, constitu the constitution and politics and all of that uh, uh, gives caste privileges. So when the privileges are given by caste then you are setting it up for attention because it's a matter of fighting who gets more privilege, who is more abused. So you set it up, you set the ball in motion for more fra fragmentation and more conflicts and therefore it no longer serves the purpose. Yeah? It may be difficult to go back to the fluid uh, version. So moving forward, my, my recommendation is that uh, privileges for those who need special help, uh, uh, affirmative action, should be based on individual need. So like uh, you know, an individual who is poor, handicapped, have whatever problems they have, there should be a scoring method. A, a person who has uh, more challenges, needs more help, that should be given more help, regardless of the caste. So a Brahmin may be more uh, in need of help or a Dalit or whoever. And there are Dalit billionaires. There, there are Dalit billionaires. So there's no reason that the Dalit billionaire ought to be given privileges just because he, he's a Dalit. So if you remove the privileges, the economic, political privileges uh, from the caste group to individual, individual merit, individual need, I think then within a generation or so you can uh, avoid this problem. And the other thing you can do is have universal education because studies are showing that when you take a graduating class of educated people, the, 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 where they end up in jobs is not caste biased. It, the people, like you, Tata's have done a study, a lot of these kind of corporate people have done a study, and they don't see that among their rank and file employees, there is some kind of a hierarchy based on caste. So education helps, and decoupling the, caste, the privileges from caste, and bringing it more on a personal, individual level, I think are the two remedies. We're running out of time. I'm just going to have the next three people. I'm really sorry, but we don't really have the time for everyone to have questions. I do apologize for the ones who have been standing here. But like I said, it's moderator's mic. I'm going to make the call. Uh, just the first three. Uh, so you can decide who wants to go for the question. Come. Hi, my name is Nick. I study here at Columbia, and I'm a practicing Hindu. Um, my question is about this whole uh, Western universalism thing. Um, I, I actually, I, I tend to see this a lot in Hindus. I'm not sure how much it applies to you because I haven't read all your work, but I think it does actually apply to you to some degree, um, where Hindus will tend to um, portray the aspects of their belief which they, uh, you know, which they believe will, play, will conform to, uh, to a, a Western universalizing sort of thing. And by that, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Christianity you know, emphasizes brotherhood and peace, supposedly, anyway. And uh, so then we go, okay, we got that too, ahimsa. And then we go with that. 
And then what happens to Kshatriya Dharma? What happens to Dharmyud? What happens to theories of just war? Where's all this going? Um, another big one is egalitarianism. I mean, you even said it today in your talk. You, meant, you, you threw the word out, egalitarianism. We have this in our tradition too, in bhakti. And it's true, we do have it in, in, in many forms of bhakti, have a form of egalitarianism, but we also have forms of hierarchy. I think what I said is that we have problems, but there are also revolutions and, and uh, upheavals from within, like bhakti. Sure. Yeah. Can you ask a question, please? Yeah. Sure. The question is But you are, you are where you're going. I think what you're saying, I'll, I'll, I agree with in large part, but tell me your question. The question is essentially, why do we um, tend to play into these... Um, just if I give one more short example. Can, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to make that call here. No, just go to the question. All right. He's a tough cookie. Good. Yeah, good. Sorry, it's, it's good. He's, he's a good moderator. I'm yeah. Why does our form of Hinduism have to be left-friendly? I mean, you eschewed the word right, but forget about right. Say reactionary or conservative. Yeah. No, my, my, my form of Hinduism. In, in, a, in a derogatory way. Yeah, no, but let me answer These the question. Are, but, but being reactionary and being conservative is how you actually combat okay. the universalizing tendency. Okay, so let me answer. So, so, I, so I, I would, yeah, yeah, good. I, I agree with that. So my idea of Hinduism is it's left and it's right. And it's, it's both and it's neither. Because there is, would you consider Gandhi to be a left wing or a right wing? I don't think you could classify it that way. I don't think you could classify it that way. I don't think that uh, you would take, uh, you know, Sri Ramakrishna. Uh, was he a left wing or a right wing? I think these categories don't make sense. So I use the word left in, in describing those who call themselves left. Please listen carefully. I do not brand a person left if he doesn't want to be. I let them decide for themselves. There is a large number of people who prefer to be called leftists, and I call them leftists. All I'm saying is that right, right wing is a wrong uh, way to characterize me. I don't want to be called that or a left wing. I just don't like that, those categories. Because those categories in the French Revolution and who sat on the left side and the right side and uh, who could not bear the other, and we don't have that history. So we, I, don't, I just don't feel that if, if the category of left, right, nor do I accept the category of tradition, modernity, and postmodernity because I think we, don't, we cannot be defined in that way. We've had bits of all of that simultaneously present. So I, I am, uh, when, I've, when I critique Western universalism, I critique those kind of categories. I acknowledge that a lot of those things have creeped into our minds. We are colonized. All of us are colonized. I'm still colonized. But I'm conscious of it and trying my best to get rid of it when I can. But I believe I'm colonized. Okay? And I'm, I'm less colonized than I was 20 years ago. And so basically, I'm sharing with people my experiences of how to decolonize. So I'm going to have to cut off at you, please. I'm sorry. Really sorry. Um, so my name is Mayang, and I'm another black sheep like Shalab from Delhi. Um, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, so I would like to extrapolate a little bit on Nick's question. I am happy that you, you said that Hinduism is a lot about you know liberal uh, type of policies. When we say politics, is social policies versus economic policies, and there's a mix of uh, both in politics. So, um, and then definitely you called it more liberal, and I'm happy about it, and I'm glad that you didn't call it left. It would be a shame. Uh, but, I'm glad you picked up the difference <laughs> the previous guy didn't. Yeah. And, uh, and um, my, my question is that why, um, like you talked about Kshatriyata, why is it not the right time to align ourselves economically and say, okay, Hinduism is more, um, it celebrates 
entrepreneurship. It celebrates making your money. Yes. Um, so why shouldn't we just go out and say, okay, we are maybe BJP. I don't know much about it. Uh, but to consider ourselves as mainstream, isn't it the right time to say, okay, we are it. We are probably, you know, uh, backing one candidate other than the other, um, you know, um, not the other, as it happened in Canada, like uh, Sikhs. So, so who's your American candidate? I guess you're trying to pitch for somebody. No. No? Okay. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm new to this country, and okay. I don't really understand okay. a lot of politics right. in India and here. But then why don't we say that we are, we are what we are? I think that's our, what we're trying to do. And, and it may not be that all of us are in one political camp. We don't have to be. Or one economic camp. Hindus have a right to be diverse, like Christians are all over the place. I mean, you have the uh, one end of the spectrum. You have, uh, you know, uh, Obama-type people, or, or you know, on the left, you would say people like uh, Carter, and then you have Christians on the other side. So we have a right to take our own uh, postures and our own policies on economic, social policy, and yet be a perfectly fine Hindu. I mean, I can I can be a compliant Hindu without having to join one particular party or not the other. I, I and just because somebody asked the question, I'm not a member of any party. I, I, I have not been a member of a party. I don't intend to be. This way I can keep my options open. I can endorse the, a certain set of policies of a certain candidate line item. That I can. And then I can disagree with the same person on other issues. So that's the way I choose to be. And I think this is a, this is a quality that a lot of Hindus have, a kind of an intellectual freedom, which is what you're saying. And we can all be the way we want to be. I fully agree with you. I would like to talk about Hindophobia within the context of uh, the violence that is happening in India against Muslims and Dalits and Dalit Bahujans and the drab dismissal of Dalit Bahujan movements that have been in your talk and your writings. And I would like to talk about Hindophobia within the context of Narendra Modi, who is currently the Prime Minister, who is responsible for the massacre of thousands and thousands of Muslims. I didn't understand down with the what? What was she saying? Huh? Oh, hin down, down with the Hindutva. Okay, I, I wish she had said it once clearly. I couldn't understand what. I thought she said down with fatwa. For okay. a, for a, for a, for a, okay, guys, can we, can we have some? This isn't JNU. No, but this is. I just want to say it. I want to make that clear. Uh, this uh, is good entertainment. I, I know, I know, but I mean, you, you need to get some entertainment genuine. also. Huh? This is good entertainment. Actually, we should bring, give him back. Uh, let's have, get some more going. It's good. I, I think it's good stuff. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, but why is Jack Holly run away? He's run away. Jack Holly ran away. My God. This is your friend, uh, Christian. Your friend Jack Holly ran away. He sat in the back. 
to rabble rouse. He's happy that his students, uh, two, three guys he hired, have done it, and he's run away. I mean, why? But you are not. But but you had your you had you had your say. You are you are an anonymous secret guy. Who won't tell us where you come from, so you can jab around. I mean, this is very strange. No, no, this is this is. Professor, professor, I'm sure you wouldn't. Uh, wait, wait, guys, hello, please. I'm sure you wouldn't expect your students to do this. So please, just I'm the guy moderating this, please. But it's double standards. Yeah. We're, 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 no, no, no. Come on, come on, come on. We, you, 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 you had, you, you, you had enough time. You had enough time. Come on. Let, let's be, let's be fair now. All right. Yeah. Thank you. And behave like a researcher and a professor and whatnot. We are claiming to be. Come on. Have some manners. All right. All right. Have some basic manners. Come on. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Last question. So I just wanted to confirm on the last question. I wanted to, I wanted to add a little bit to it. Um, the the police the police. The, yeah, the police initially thought that they were looking for a black man walking in the pedestrian on the on the uh, sidewalk, but once they saw the man, they knew he wasn't black. But her real issue was not that it was about India uh, okay. killing okay. Muslims okay. Uh, uh, and whatnot, and whatnot. So yeah, that's so, the last question. So you know, basically, I'm against killing anybody, and if they are killing Muslims, they should be prosecuted. Of course, they should prosecute. If they are killing Dalits, they should be prosecuted. All I'm saying is, if they are also against Hindus, that should also be the case. So I'm not saying that. To defend X, you have to accuse, uh, you have to damage Y. If there is Islamophobia, it's bad. If there's Dalit phobia, it's bad. But if Hindus are being kicked out of Kashmir, that is also bad. And if they're being kicked out of Bangladesh, that is also bad. <laughs> See, my. The, the, the strange thing is that the keepers of human rights and equality and all that cannot applaud a statement which calls for equality. They can only applaud a statement for inequality. Thank you. So, so you know, I'm for, just for the record, if somebody is being uh, prejudiced against, that should be condemned. And so that we should have conference on Islamophobia and one on Hinduphobia. When you have a con for count the number of Islamophobia hits you will get in academic conferences and events and papers and dissertations, and then compare with Hinduphobia. I just want to equalize that. Any phobia, any xenophobia is bad. So we should we should do that. Sorry, I'm, 